0: Welcome to Bow Talks, a podcast by Banking on Women, which is a student society at the University of Melbourne. We are dedicated to empowering, educating and encouraging our members in the financial and professional services industries. Bow would like to respectfully acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulon Nations, who are the traditional custodians of this land, on which we will be recording this podcast on. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Botox. My name is Aidee and I am joined by Yolanda today. She is the founder of Future Impact. We are very excited to have you here. We always like to start off by asking who you are and what your passions are.
1: My name is Yolanda Beatty. I'm the founder of Future Impact, as you said. I'm also the director of a boutique consultancy called Yo & Co., And my passions are human potential and human flourishing. So in all of my work, I help people consider ways that they get in their own way, ways we self-sabotage and sabotage others. Uh, Usually that's due to insecurities and limiting mindsets. So I help people understand the nature of their mind, the nature of gifts and how to work with them to create a more fulfilling, satisfying life. But I also the future impact piece, it's a little bit on the side. That's a project that's all about getting more women into front office investing teams, particular focus on gender equality in investment management.
0: So good to hear. We really want to know about what your career journey has been like so far. Could you give us a little sneak peek into that? Yeah,
1: sure. So I have been running my own practice for about three years, but before that, I spent about 20, 25 years working in public affairs and marketing communications type roles. So the first 15 odd years of that, that was in financial services. So I worked with lots of big and small companies, both in-house and in an agency. And then I moved out of financial services to gender equality, where I ran the public affairs team of the Workplace Gender Equality Agency. And that's where I got my taste of this fascinating subject of women at work and what are the challenges that they face. After I was at the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, I worked for a big global consulting company called Mercer, and I ran the diversity and inclusion consulting practice for a while. In the time that I'd spent a decade or so looking at gender equality at work, I came to see that while there are some specific issues that women face at work that are gendered, without a doubt, there are way bigger issues that are actually more universally felt. So when we start with that question of what does it take to create a working environment where humans can do their best work, where they feel like they're flourishing and reaching their potential, we actually capture some of the bigger issues that impact both women and men. And we avoid the politics and drama and backlash and boredom that can come with the gender equality focus.
0: Awesome. I think you touched on it a little bit here. Could you give us a little introduction to Future Impact and what really motivated you to start this initiative? So
1: I was working at Mercer at the time, and Mercer, in addition to being a big global HR consultancy, is also in investment consulting. And actually it was probably even before that that I got involved in this topic. Um, I was working, when I was working at the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, our our ambition was proof of gender equality in Australian workplaces, but we collected this incredible data on gender equality composition and and composition of women in management roles and, and different gender equality practices across Australian employers. And we wanted to get, and we needed to get stakeholders to use that data. So I started engaging with the investment management industry around this topic of how can we get institutional investors who are advocating for more women on boards, for example, how do we get them to start having a conversation about gender equality more broadly in organisations. And so that was back in 2015, 2014, when I started that conversation. And I didn't finish it when I was at Wajia, but I picked it up at at Mercer. And when I was talking with different industry leaders on the topic, there was this common feedback that, well, we've we've got a challenge because we have so few women in our investment teams. And so we did a big piece of research inspired by that insight to find out why are there so few women in investment management and what do we need to do about it? And one of the big challenges we found was that there was a very low level of awareness around the career path for women at university. And those that did have an awareness uh, had a perceptions about what it would be like working in an investment team. You know, Hollywood stereotypes of Wolf of Wall Street or billions put a pretty bad taste in a lot of young women's mouths when they think of it. But that's a largely mythologized view of the industry, which is mostly comprised of incredibly values-driven, incredibly smart people that are solving really complex problems and are making really important contributions to big global issues like climate change, like modern slavery like economic prosperity and well-being, like investing in infrastructure. It really is a hugely influential profession, incredible opportunities for women to build a very purpose-led career. So We started Future Impact as a campaign to engage young women at university and open up their eyes to this career path and help them get a foot in the door.
0: You touched on how there is little awareness of this career path. So to those who have absolutely no idea, what is investment management?
1: So the best way to think about it is in the superannuation world. So I'll I'll start with that angle because it's certainly the biggest part of the the investment management industry as well. Superannuation accounts for well over $3 trillion of capital that gets ultimately invested in a range of different asset classes. So you're working at, you know, your part-time job while you're studying at uni and you have to, if you're above a certain threshold, you have to um, pay into superannuation and that money you earn that gets diverted into superannuation gets invested by your superannuation fund and that fund invests follows an investment strategy and then invests in a range of different asset classes so from shares to Australian shares international shares bonds any number of different other fixed income instruments cash alternative investments like hedge funds, uh, for example, um, as well as uh, real assets like property or wind farms or, I think I probably already mentioned, toll roads and ports. So most significant projects require capital. They require investors to help get them off the ground. And investment management is the process of identifying those assets that have value that can deliver financial return to, in this case, it's the superannuation members
0: okay that's really interesting so what is involved in graduate roles and how does this change as you evolve into a more senior role
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's actually one of the challenges that industry faces because the nature of the roles are generally quite specialised. And as a result, most superannuation funds or fund managers or private equity firms, they don't recruit from university. They don't really recruit grads. They tend to recruit junior analyst roles with anywhere between two to five to six years experience. But some are doing, and in fact, more and more they're doing graduate recruitment because the talent squeeze and they realise they need to build their talent from the ground up. And typically, if you're coming in as a graduate, you're working alongside an analyst. Or you're working alongside a portfolio manager and you're doing the work to help value an investment. So if you're in equities, which is shares, you're helping to identify and build an analysis around the future value or the current value of an equity. And whether it represents good value to invest in so you're making a projection of whether you think it's we should buy it or if we already own it should we sell it when we talk about how those roles go up so uh, as you get more experience you basically take on more responsibility you have an expectation to generate more insight so as a grad you might be just doing some groundwork to do the research whereas you're moving to being an analyst role you're owning the analysis and as you get more senior you're actually making recommendations so your job is to find those the stocks of value if we're talking just about equities, And then to pull together an evaluation to make a recommendation about whether the fund should buy or sell that stock. And in that process, you're speaking to CEOs and management teams and competitors and getting all sorts of information from different places to try to get an inside edge of whether the market is valuing that stock at the right level or whether it's an opportunity to buy it because its share price is going to increase. Obviously, look, those great opportunities do exist. So, you know, keep an eye out for them and that's what Future Impact is there to help you do is to help you source and secure those great opportunities. It also is about getting the right experience when you leave the university, getting those first graduate roles that can actually then... Put you in a good position to then take on an investment management career path. Those are things like investment banking, management consulting, analyst type roles, anywhere where you're having to demonstrate your ability to analyze complex details and value companies or value assets provides the perfect feeding ground to then go and move into a junior analyst role when you've got that, as I said, that two to five years experience under your belt.
0: Okay, so that being said, even though there's not a lot of grad roles out there, it's still really good to have knowledge of this career path that may be an opportunity in the future.
1: And I think the other thing to keep in mind is it's about it's a passion piece as well. So it's recognising that this is you know this type of career path has got huge career potential, and the more you're able to get interested in the nature of investing, investing yourself, um using your own, you know, funds and you can you can invest in the share market with pretty small amounts of funds these days. You can build a dummy portfolio, pretend portfolio on a whole stack of different platforms. And so the, the opportunity now for students is to think about what what's the nature of investment markets and how can I get exposure and interest in it? Because ultimately, investment markets are influenced by everything that's happening in the world. So if you're interested in politics, current affairs, economics, um, they're the issues that an investor is thinking about every minute of every day. That's what they're thinking about. And that's coming into their evaluation of where opportunities might lie to generate financial returns for members.
0: Your research looked at the gender gap in investment management, as well as the lack of diversity more broadly. What were the major findings? Why are there less women working in investment management?
1: It's got a a bit of history that comes with all those things that I was just describing, particularly the low levels of awareness at university level is kind of where it starts. Well, it probably starts much earlier than that, where at school there's more kind of social conditioning around boys going out and earning money, boys going out and doing maths, working in finance. So there's that stereotype that's particularly Australian. Australians have a very gender, what's called a gender-segregated workplace where we have these very female-dominated roles like teaching and nursing. And then we have these very male-dominated roles like mining financial services. So what that means is that young girls were sent this message that says, go and be a teacher, go and be a nurse, and you go to your careers counsellor, or you're speaking to your mom, or, you know, you're getting all these different messages that says, go do marketing, for example. Whereas boys get this very different story. And then when you get into university, while girls are kind of going into, or now they're young women going into university degrees like economics and, and commerce and the like at a fairly young age, they're not exposed to opportunities in, say, investment management. They get a lot of news about investment banking. There's a lot of exposure there. They don't really hear that. They don't really understand um, what investment management is. Then it's much less likely for girls to go and apply for those jobs than they do come up at that junior analyst level. In fact, men are four times more likely than women to apply for a junior analyst role. I would suggest, though, that women at that junior analyst level are more likely to be successful because the funds are looking really hard to find great women to be able to join those roles. So, a great opportunity for women to try to enter this industry. So getting in, there's just not as much in the pipeline. And then when we actually move through the career, women are more likely to leave at a certain level at the senior analyst level. There's a whole stack of different complex reasons for that. One is the nature of affinity bias, which means that if you've got a bunch of men that are running a fund, they tend to be more likely to be more comfortable around people who look like them. And so they have a more natural affinity around developing and mentoring people who are like them, which means that women can feel excluded from that process. Men are also much more likely to push their themselves and their ideas forward in a much more vocal way. Women tend to sit back and let their ideas stand for themselves. And so great leaders know that they need to really support women and draw their ideas out. But then there's also just the reality of, of when women want to have children and while, you know, investment management isn't anywhere near, say, the very brutal areas of say like banking or medical research or surgeons, it still has an intensity to it. If there isn't the right organizational support structure to help women manage that time, women just tend to make different choices. And managing that juggle, if you don't have another partner at home, helping manage that juggle means that women are much more likely to opt out. All of that speaks to therefore the importance of really great leaders and really great managers who are committed to building working environments where women can thrive and continue to grow and learn and take on more opportunity and responsibility while also having a young family. Things like flexible working, things like sponsorship, sponsoring and advocating for for women are all examples of really important steps employers need to take.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I see a lot of firms are trying to promote diversity in the workplace. What would you say is the importance of having diversity in investment management?
1: Well, I'll kind of say that from the perspective of my partners and I'll kind of quote them. One of my favorite quotes is from the chief investment officer of Super Super, a gentleman by the name of Christian Fock who said to me years ago, when he was building his investments team at SeaBus, he found without being conscious of it, as he was growing it, suddenly it was like 80% men. And he really noticed a cultural difference. There was a lot more, that kind of classic ego and testosterone, a lot more point proving, point scoring, a more competitive environment in another organization. And he suddenly realized, wait, this isn't the culture I want to build. It feels different when it's all men. Just like it feels different when it's all women, right? When, it, when it's all girls. But as soon as you chuck a few men in the mix, You're required to think differently, talk differently with that desire to want them to be included in the conversation, right? So we change how we behave and we change what we talk about when we have diversity around the table is the first piece. It also means that because of that mix, we are more likely to listen more carefully when there are diverse groups around the table. We're more likely to hear different perspectives and hear different views that challenge our thinking when the diversity comes around the table compared to the group think that happens when you're around people who think just like you. And so gender is definitely not the only thing that matters. Of course, there's a whole range of different types of diversity that matters. But gender tends to be, when there is such poor female representation in an industry, it tends to be a really important place to start.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you believe that diversity must start from approaching the students it's one of
1: those problems that has no silver bullet. It has to come from lots of different angles. So leaders need to get better at creating workplace cultures that really enable and support all talent. Big part of that is that leaders need to be more proactive around work intensification. You know, how do you manage workload so that everybody is able to manage their work and life commitments? How do you create an environment where politics and power plays uh, surface and address where conflict and tension is resolved quickly where people feel like they can speak candidly with cultures of candor and feedback. So these are all hallmarks of great teams and great organizations and they take intention to develop them. That's kind of starting at the top. But yes, it also involves recruiting at the bottom and getting that diversity in at the pipeline to get diversity at every point of that corporate hierarchy, if you like. So it's part of the solution, but definitely not the whole solution.
0: Mm, Definitely. How would you say future impact is trying to solve this issue?
1: Yeah, so the big thing is about awareness and perception. So we go out and we run events with different university societies and have different platforms like this fabulous platform. We run a national investments competition in September every year that's open to all universities and all students. And the winners of that comp will get a paid summer internship. So we go out and provide opportunities to get those that practical paid work experience. We also run mentoring circles for women to spend three 90-minute small group sessions with leading investors to hear about career pathways, how to thrive, the types of challenges that they face, they think about the nature of markets and what's happening in the world and how it impacts different asset classes and different investment themes. This is just a fascinating industry, right? It touches on everything. And so we just make it easy for young women to learn about this incredible industry and get the networks and the access that help them get a foot in the door
0: absolutely love that. What are some tips you would give to students who want to explore the various career paths? So
1: how do you set yourself up? The first thing is, is that, you know, top marks at university is really, really important. So do the work to to get the top marks. The second thing to keep in mind is, well, it's not just about numbers. There's a psychology to being able to evaluate investment opportunities, particularly when it comes to evaluating companies, because you're effectively evaluating the individuals running those companies. So psychology matters as well. But having a comfortable grasp of numbers and a curiosity around numbers is key, which will then take me to that next point around curiosity. So if you think you might be interested, a telltale sign might be, do you read the Fin Review every day? Are you interested in what different companies do and what's happening in markets? And so if that stuff kind of piques your interest, dig harder, go hard on that curiosity around markets, politics, asset classes. If you find yourself lighting up with those ideas, then that's a good sign that this is a career path for you. And then there are really practical things that we can help you with. We have a virtual intern program, which provides a great way to practice putting together a model. Go and pick some of the specialist subjects like applied finance, like managed investment, subjects so how to actually build a portfolio take on some of those more technical subjects have a look at what postgrad might look like so probably the leading postgrad qualification is the chartered financial analyst publication the cfa so go and have a look at what the cfa is all about because that kind of postgrad qualification is going to be really important to stand out as well
0: Great. i think you've set every single one of our listeners up for success if you were to go back to university what's one piece of advice you would give yourself uh, well,
1: I kind of, I gave myself the piece of advice when I did my master's. So I did an undergrad in commerce and did really badly because I was just too distracted. And it was back in the day where you could get away with that. <laughs> now, I think 25 years later, it's, it's not as easy to succeed if you haven't had a good degree. And so what I did less so to kind of recover my academic failings, although it did help, I went back in my late twenties and then finished by my early thirties a master's in public policy. And I nailed it. I got like, top marks and the reason so what was the difference between you know near failure and top marks was I loved what I was learning so find that balance of getting a passion for what you're learning sometimes you need to find that passion yourself right so it's not necessarily going to be about expecting teachers to be inspiring but you know university is about studying different elements of the world so go and get curious about the world and then find the connections between what you're studying and and the world around you so that you can build the passion that makes learning genuine joy. The other thing that I'd say, the advice I'd give myself that I didn't do that I can see is so important now is getting involved in societies. It's all this kind of co-curricular stuff, right? Getting involved in societies, getting involved in competitions, going to industry nights where you can meet industry people, go and get really curious about what different jobs are available to you because you won't learn that in the classroom. You'll learn that in all the other ways that campus can provide about what are the different jobs out there. You want to be a you know investment analyst, or you want to be in marketing for pharmaceuticals. Go on LinkedIn and go and find somebody and tell them you're a student who's really interested to learn more about your industry. And the first person might not do it, but I can guarantee you that there are senior people out there, and and you know not so senior people out there that are more than happy to share your wisdom. So build your networks, go and ask for advice and insights from other people because they are most people are generous with their time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And talking about curiosity and lifelong learning, what have you been reading or watching lately that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I'll show you what I'm reading. I'm reading this book. It's called Reinventing Organisations. It's about how to rethink the way organisations work based on the next evolution of human consciousness. It's effectively this concept of organisations where They're less ego-driven and there are deep levels of trust. And with that incredible self-organized collaboration, there's less need for targets and budgets and plans because there is a really strong energy by really committed individuals that are working towards a common purpose. I was recommended this book by somebody else. And as I read it, I I felt deeply connected to, well, this is actually so similar to the organization that I'm creating, both through Future Impact and my Yo and Co-Practice. And so it was... A very satisfying read to see where the organizations can head to with the right commitment to self awareness and compassion
0: wow sounds very deep and insightful well thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today yolanda and yeah thank you guys for listening see you guys next time
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: thank you for listening to another episode of Bo talks please do follow us on instagram facebook and linkedin at banking on women Thank you, everyone. Bye.